1 Chronicles chapter 16, drop down to verse 29. We're going to look at just one verse today, and uh, this is what it says. It says, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Let me say that again. Give unto the Lord the glory that's due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Come let us worship the Lord. Our single verse of text uh, is only part of what is known as David's song of thanksgiving. Let me give you a background. Uh, King David wrote part of this song. It's found in 1 Chronicles. It's only part of it called the song of thanksgiving. David entrusted the rest of the song to the other songwriters to the care of the Levite musicians who were instructed to sing it daily, daily. In your private devotion time, I invite you to read this entire song if you get a chance. It's from verses 8 through 34, uh, when you get a chance and when you get home. Worshiping the Lord is the highest and holiest of actions. Have I got a witness? The highest and holiest of action, actions is worshiping God. It has the ability to take us from the depths of our sorrows to the height of celestial joy. It's the greatest of personal experiences because it can mentally remove us from the present and position us in the realm of the eternal. Has anybody ever been going through something but you decided let me pause and just have a worship break or what the 21st century calls a praise break? Let me stop what I'm doing right now. Let me just worship the Lord. It somehow transforms the believer from what's happening on the, uh, in, in, this, in this regular plane to, to focusing them on what's going to happen eternally. And so today at 8.30, I just want to pause to examine our worship. Uh, we don't rate it. We're not going to rate it because it's not a competition between churches. It's not about who has the best, music, best musicians, who sings the most contemporary songs. It's, about, it's not about how punctual uh, uh, we begin or end our assembly or how large our, our, our church is. Today's examination of worship is more about you than about us. All right? It's more about you. So when, I'm at, when we talk about examining our worship... I want you to examine if or how and even if you worship the Lord. It's more about you than it is about us. Why do we worship the Lord? That's question number one. The, the, the question on the mind of the believer, or the question for you today, why do believers worship the Lord? It is because someone made you, is it because somebody made you and get up, made you get up and come here? Is that why you come worship? Because somebody made you show up? You should realize that worship has the ability to take our minds off of earthly troubles and focus our attention elsewhere. When we worship, I know when I worship, I focus on deity rather than dust. I focus on the celestial rather than the terrestrial. I focus on the priceless rather than the worthless when I worship. The future rather than my past when I worship. I focus on the master instead of my miseries. That's why you should worship. Nobody should have to force you to worship. Nobody should have to force the believer to worship, especially assembling yourselves together. True worshipers come into God's house with no preconceived expectation. We have no self-interest or trembling fears. 
We offer only the deepest requirement of unwavering loyalty to God of our salvation. We should come into God's house with a single-hearted devotion and a childlike love for the Lord wrapped in the realization that this is man's response to an all-loving God. The least I can do is worship an all-loving God. When we worship, the Father is glorified. When we worship, the Son is magnified. When we worship, the Holy Spirit is gratified. When we worship, the church, am I, am I preaching yet? When we worship, the church is edified. When we worship, man gets satisfied. My soul, my soul gets satisfied when I worship the Lord. You should consider worship a tremendous privilege and a precious opportunity. It's a privilege to make your way out to the house of the Lord Sunday after Sunday. Not only is it a privilege, it's an opportunity because only the redeemed, write this down, only the redeemed can draw nigh to God. Only the redeemed can sit at his feet. Only the redeemed can enter the house of holies. Only the redeemed can stand in his presence and fellowship with him. If you have been redeemed, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. to understand there's some there's some VIP treatment that my salvation gets me that I didn't get before I was saved only the redeemed can sit at the feet of God and I'm happy about it so that's why I come worship what an honor it is to enjoy the peace that passes all understanding what a joy it is to commune with the Lord on his higher ground. The feeling you get when you worship is like any other feeling. No wonder Peter called it a joy, unspeakable joy. That's 1 Peter 1.8. No heart is satisfied without worship to God. No life is complete without worship to God. No soul is blessed without worship to God. No need is met without worship to God. I had to pause and help them out. No need is met without worship to God. You ever notice how much, like before you were saved, and if you're still doing it, I hope you grow out of it, how much we just pursued things. And, 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 and that, that, that as soon as we get it, the feeling is fleeting. Uh, uh, even, even, and I, I wrote about this earlier this week, even the dopamine that's released in our minds from pleasure, it flees just like that. The only thing that satisfies is a holy and righteous God. The only thing that satisfies and keeps my mind regulated is worshiping the Lord. When I worship, I don't have to chase stuff. I don't have to chase people. My soul is satisfied because I know how to lift up holy hands. I know how to thank him. I know how to thank him before he even shows up. I know how to praise his name. Something happens. When you worship, yeah, something happens when you worship. You go all week long and you ain't worship. And I, and I, and I, and I, I can't face my trials without worship. I, and I ain't talking about just coming here on Sunday morning. Every now and then you should break out in a worship service at your house. Every now and then you ought to break out in a worship service in your car. Every now and then you ought to break out. People on your job should think that you're crazy. 
Why? Because she in the break room worshiping. If them Muslims can get on their knees five times a day and pray toward Mecca, and their, praise are, their, their prayers aren't even heard, nobody bothers the Muslim but the Christian. Does anybody at your job catch you praying? Does anybody at your job catch you in your car reading the word, hold up, I'll be there in a minute, because if I don't get this, I'm coming out choking everybody. I've got to get this. <laughs> Worship should occur all day, every day, as much as I can do it. We, let me tell you, worship will keep you out of trouble. Huh? Listen, don't sit there, don't sit there. Don't not sit there, don't let sit there. Don't sit there. Don't you lie, don't you come up here and lie and act like you don't get thoughts you shouldn't have. Huh? And, and, and so the only way you don't act on those thoughts is you gotta change the channel. Right, if there's something on TV that I'm watching, Right, I don't like it, I change the channel. If I get a thought and I'm about to step outside my mind, about to do something crazy, I got to hurry up and change the channel. And nothing helps you change the channel quicker than worship. <laughs> nothing helps you change the channel quicker than, I know what I'm talking about, I know what I'm talking about. Oh, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Lord, renew a right spirit in me. Lord, I don't know the verse, but you know what I'm trying to say. Hurry up and change the channel. Worship will keep you out of trouble. If you ever, if you never experienced joy unspeakable, you may want to examine yourself. So I said this sermon is about you. It's not about us, it's about you. Yes, pastor, talk about you today. This is one sermon you can say I'm talking about you. If you have not experienced joy, unspeakable joy, examine yourself to see if you have submitted to God's authority. If you, um, if you have yielded to his leadership, if you surrender to his will, if you believe on his name and follow in his footsteps. Because if you do all of these, you will experience joy, unspeakable joy. If you have not experienced joy, unspeakable joy, the problem is not with God. Maybe you haven't yielded to his leadership. Maybe you haven't submitted to his authority. Maybe you haven't surrendered to his will. Maybe you really don't believe on his name or follow after his footsteps. There is another benefit to worship. Another benefit to worship is it clears the vision. Somebody say clears the vision. It's easy to lose your focus when you're under the world's influence. Am I right? And, and worship helps us rearrange our priorities, revive our hearts, remold our attitudes, calm our nerves, build up our trust and confidence in the Lord. No, 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 there's, there's, it's, it's, it's really, it's, I can really see why David made them sing that song every day. David said, if you're going to be around me, you need to sing this song every day because I know this will put you in a mindset of worship. And when you're in a mindset of worship, guess what? You begin to function and operate within the heart of God, right? And so David says, you need to sing this song. He made up, the king made him sing that song every day. Then there's the question is, when do we worship? Do you worship? Why do we worship? But then when do we worship? Is it a Sunday thing? Is it an hour-long session? Is it a three-hour commitment? There's no time frame for worship. Worship is something you should do always. Just because you got up on Sunday morning, drove over to the church, sat in the sanctuary, gave an offering, sang on the praise team, 
bowed at the altar, even maybe even preached in the pulpit. Your worship does not end there. Worship is a never-ending flow of gratitude to God. Let me say that again. Worship is a never-ending flow of gratitude to God. It may have peaks and valleys as we go through the day, but our appreciation for all that God does for us should never wane. When you leave this place, your worship should continue in the righteous way we live. Our lives should be a sweet sound in God's ear, like a song of a bird as we worship. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. When you step outside this house of worship, does your spirit hold on to what you've just experienced or do you carry it throughout the week? Worship should inspire a perpetual praise from your lips. You know when you're growing in the Lord is when you wake up in the morning and the first thing you say is, thank you, Lord. That's how you know you're growing. When you put your feet on the floor, you open your eyes, and you say, thank you, Lord. I remember there's a time I just get up, hit the door, and run, and pew, right? Only called on the Lord when I had some trouble. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just me. Only called on when I had some trouble. But as I began to grow, remember, sanctification is a process. As I began to grow, as I began to get closer and closer to the Lord, before the feet hit the floor, you should say, thank you, Lord, for another day. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Now watch this. I even say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out this bedroom door. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you're already there. And so, God, I want to worship you here to help me handle whatever happens when I walk out this house today. I want, I, I want to be aware of your presence, that no matter what comes my way, Lord, if you got to keep me from something, Lord, keep me from it. Lord, if you need to place me in something, place me in it. I'm okay as long as I know that you're with me, I'm going to be all right. That's what worship is. That's what worship is. I think we spend more of the day complaining than we do worshiping. And I have to check myself. That's why we keep gratitude journals. That's why I tell you to write down three things before you go to bed at night. What are you grateful for? Because you fool around. How many of y'all ever went to bed with attitude? No, no, only five of us went to bed with attitude. Go to bed with attitude, right? Sleep, man. Fist balled up, knocked out. Wake up to my neck hurt. But if, if, if you're worshiping, if you're worshiping, that, different things happen. Your mind is on God. And then there's the fact on how we worship. True worship involves declaring God as our creator, lifting up holy hands, singing praises to his name. The psalmist says, oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, lifting our hands to the Lord, singing to him in sweet harmonies, kneeling before him are all signs of adoration and reverence. We, uh, we, you know, who deserves more of that reverence than the sovereign God who keeps watch over us every minute of the day? When you see my arms up here and pray, I'm not doing it for show. I'm, listen, Lord, I'm yours. Uh, and when you see somebody's head bowed down, somebody's kneeling, they're showing reverence to a holy God. 
They're positioning themselves and submitting themselves to a holy God, right? Lifting up holy hands, singing hymns. It's just a part of our worship experience. The Chronicles or the Levite musicians remind us to bring an offering, something of ourselves as a gift to the Lord. Uh, the Hebrews brought many offerings, right? They, some were goats and doves. Others were monetary. Whatever the gift, it was of a sacrifice. It was sacrificial in nature. Let, 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 I got to pause there. It was a surrendering of something precious to us. You ought to surrender something precious of yourself to God. God wants the precious. God don't want your leftover. Whatever you sacrifice to God should be precious in nature. A surrendering of something precious to us as a gift to the Lord. That's what worship is. It's a natural outpouring of our gratitude to God. If it, David, David writes, I'm going to talk about it. David says, David says, should I give something to God that doesn't cost me anything? That's not, a, that's not a sacrifice. That, that's, that's telling God, I'm a pre no, Lord, I want to give you something precious. I want to give you the best of my time. I want to give you my best years. I want to give you my best talents. I want to give you my best finances, God. I want to give you my best because I really can't outgive you. See, some of y'all don't like that. Some of y'all mad that a tithe is 10%. It, listen. It, I, I used to be one of those, but you know what? I looked at what God was blessing me. My 10% was cheap. I said, I'm not giving God no 10%. I got to give God more. I got to give God something that it hurts me. It's precious to me. And let me tell y'all something. I've never outgiven God one time. Not one time. I ain't missed nothing because that's part of worship. It's part of worship. You think worship is just in here singing and clapping? Worship is sacrificing, surrendering something, right? David writes, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Now in the presence of all his people. You don't believe me? Read Psalm 116, 12 to 4. That's what King David says. Worship should also keep us in a state of constant prayer. Giving and prayer. That's why Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica and Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Worship connects us to God in a way that nothing else can because God is both our source and our resource. Y'all missed that. He's my source and resource. My resource. You heard it before, but I'll say it again. Matter of fact, Reverend Hazard encouraged me. I said, Reverend Hazard, sometimes I preach old sermons. He said, that's okay. He said, the old folks used to say, that's the old well, but it's still good water. <laughs> so what I'm about to say is an old well, but it's still full of good water. God is our source and our resource. He's not only the reason why I have, he's the, re he's the place I get it from. He keeps on giving. It keeps on. Everything you have is God-given. Everything. Don't you think I'm, I'm, I'm self-made? You ain't self-made. That's a lie. God gave it to you. God gave you the strength. God gave you the intelligence. God gave you the influence. And you ought to worship him like you know that. You ought to, can you imagine if God ever closed up shop when it came to you? 
Huh? You crying about you crying about your little bit of lack now. That's only because you don't trust you like you should. But that's a whole another story. But can you imagine? He said, "Okay, I'm closing shop when it comes to you." Oh, when that well run dry. Oh man, he, you got to recognize he's our source and our resource, right? He is the source of our strength. He's the resource for all of our struggles. Does worship give you the courage to face your trials? It should. If it does, you ought to raise your hand in gratitude right now. Raise your hand in gratitude if worship gives you the courage to face your trial. Open your mouth and praise if you can't bend on your knees. Bend in your heart to reference him. Lift up your eyes to the hills with adoration. Learn to bow your head in humble submission. Allow the Lord to bathe you in humility. Mold your heart in love. Mold your heart in love and let Christ shine throughout your days ahead. I used to have an accountant, right, who was known as the best accountant in town. He was up in, uh, up in, up in Haddonfield, right, and the best in the city because he gave his, all his clients, he gave to every client, you know, he gave his all to every client that he serviced. That's what I'm trying to say. One day I was foolish enough to ask him, how could he be so consistent with his service to others? I have a doctor that's like that too. Just consistent with his service to others. And he took me into his inner office where he did all the tedious work for his clients. And there on the desk was a sign that read, God sees me. He said, Graves, I work this hard because God sees me. I go above and beyond. I, I, I practice my musical arts because God sees me. I'm disciplined with my singing because God sees me. All of you in your profession should be doing the best you can. I don't care about your boss, but get your boss. God sees you. God sees you. I don't care. Oh, they working me hard. I don't care how they working you. God sees you. Don't you understand that all of us are just one heartbeat away from meeting our master? One heartbeat. Your next breath is not guaranteed. And so even those who are your supervisors, your bosses, your clients, it do, they don't run their own lives. David reminds us it is God who steers the heart of men like a mighty river. God says you, you work like I see you and I'll bless you and make sure they see you. God sees me. I preach this hard two services because God sees me. And if I give less than my best, I'm not worshiping God, right? I'm not worshiping. I wonder how differently we would act if we were constantly reminded that God sees us. He sees us when we lose our patience with people. He sees us when we express our frustrations. He sees us when we display our doubts. God sees you. He sees you in every situation. He watches how you bear your burdens. He watches how you carry your crosses. He watches how you face your circumstances and fulfill your responsibilities. He gave us his best. Shouldn't you give God your best? Remember, this sermon was to be a personal reflection. Your worship is your life's response to God's plan for your life. Your worship is your response. Listen, my worship says, God, I'm cool with it. God, thank you. I am, I am responding to your plan for my life. My plan ain't good enough. Your plan is perfect. And so my worship responds to your plan. Sometimes I, I praise the Lord. I thank God for Sister Suzette. She's the only one clapping because she keep me going sometimes. 
Because y'all don't like to hear that your worship is responding to God's plan in your life. How are you responding to what God is allowing you to go through? Hmm? How are you responding to that? You can say what you want to say, but your worship reflects how you're responding to that. Your worship reflects how, I don't care how bad it is, it could be worse. I, it could be a whole lot worse. I don't care how bad it is. So God wants to see if you're going to respond that he's keeping you in the midst of something. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but somebody in here, maybe a few of y'all, are in the midst of something right now, and you have not been worshiping. You've been complaining. And God said, I don't hear your complaint. I want to see your worship. Because if you are a believer, everything that you're going through is a working out a perfect plan, and your worship is a response to how you feel about the plan I have for your life. You want elevation? Start worshiping God. You want God to bring you out and bring you through? He will. You just really start worshiping God. Less complaining, more worshiping. Say that with me. Less complaining, more worshiping. One more time. Less complaining, more worshiping. Give God some praise. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. 